0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.
2: Welcome to Options Action, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan, in for Melissa Lee tonight, and here's what's on tap.
1: If you can't build it, they won't come. Carter Worth explains what Lowe's is lacking, going into earnings next week. Then, charge decline. Tony Zhang has his eye on Amex and is arranging another form of payment for you. Plus... Professor Coe is highlighting some unusual institutional-only moves. But then he and the rest of the team will show you how to follow suit with a suitable alternative for individual portfolios. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. All right, welcome, everybody. Well,
2: big box retailers of all stripes out with their quarterly numbers and their guidance next week. Other rates or a reopening pause, all are facing fresh headwinds. And Carter Moore thinks that one may be destined for a new low, so to speak, I guess, Carter.
3: Well, that's right. We're going to talk about LOW, the ticker. The name is Lowe's. And let's get right to the charts. So, the first of two comparative charts the chart you're looking at is a two panel, and the top is Lowe's itself. And on the bottom is relative performance to the SPY. And what what jumps out, and you can see it very clearly, is that the stock has gone on to make new highs since basically September, October last year. But look at the relative and the lines I've drawn. It's basically, in terms of performance, relative to the market, relative to other choices, it peaked 10 months ago, and it continues to struggle. Now, look at the same uh, chart, if you will, but instead of lows relative to the SPY, this is relative to the home builder's uh, ETF XHB. And in this case you see very clearly as the stock has gone on and make new highs, uh, look at the relative performance. We are in fact toying with 52-week low relative performance. Something's not right. Home Depot also very heavy, Uh, don't like the name. Let's look at the charts for lows itself. First chart, a break in trend. You can see the trend line, you can see the break. Do all breaks net out as lower prices? No, but that's the bet uh, that I think you make. The second chart, where might lows go? There's support at the 180 level. The stock is 190 right now. So put the last two charts together, final chart. This shows the break in trend, and it shows where support comes into play at 180. We closed at 190. We think you have a clear 10-point down move ahead, likely in response to an earnings report that is light or in some way disappointing.
2: Yeah, look at that chart there. Okay. So, Mike, I mean, it really hasn't done a whole lot in about a year's time. How, if at all, are you trading lows right now?
4: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We're talking about the price action on the stock versus the fundamentals of the stock, because on the fundamental side, they've done quite a lot, actually. If you take a look at full year EPS for fiscal year 2019 we were looking at a company that was making about five dollars and 76 (laughs) cents a share full year 2020 last year during the pandemic they grew that EPS by approximately 60 percent and right now the streets expecting full year EPS to grow this year and next year as well right now it's trading round about 18 times forward earnings maybe slightly under so it is trading at a discount to the market that said you know, one of the things that Carter pointed to was the fact that it's underperforming the home builders. That's interesting, of course, because part of what propelled these companies to the heights that we saw was the fact that there was a lot more people doing home improvements. And Lowe's, this is actually more true than Home Depot, because Home Depot gets roughly 40 percent of their sales from professionals, contractors, and the like. That number is much smaller for Lowe's. Also, their sales per square foot tend to lag Home Depot. Home Depot appears to be the better operator, although I will say obviously from a fundamental point both of these companies have done exceptionally well in the past. But if we're looking at the technicals and think that we might be looking at some weakness and looking into earnings next week right now the options market implying a move of about 4.6 percent. That's a larger move actually than it's averaged over the last eight quarters. I think one way that you could either hedge if you're long this stock or take an outright bearish bet, if you're so inclined, would be to look out to October. I was looking at the 190, 165 put spread. Now, the reason I was using a put spread here is because the implied volatility, that is the price of options on lows, is actually relatively high compared to the realized volatility. That put spread, when I was looking at earlier today, was round about $6. Frequent viewers will know, but we might as well remind everybody that oftentimes when we're looking at debit spreads we're looking for payoffs in the neighborhood of 3 to 1 or better so on a $25 wide put spread spending about 6 bucks makes that math work for us and also notice that we're spending a relatively small amount of the share price so $6 versus a $190 share price that's essentially the total risk you're taking in the event that Lowe's finishes above that $190 strike price uh, by October expiration but of course if it dips below that Before then, you could always take your profits early as well.
2: All right, good stuff there. Tony, your take on Mike's trade on Lowe's.
5: Yeah, so if you look at consumer spending in the home improvement category, we've certainly seen a deceleration here over the past couple of months, but it still remains fairly elevated. So I actually expect both Home Depot and Lowe's to actually put up pretty strong numbers here next week. And as Mike said, Lowe's is trading at a pretty reasonable valuation, about 17 times next year's earnings, and they are doing better as an operator. They're doing better in terms of online digital sales, in terms of margin expansion. But the one thing that you cannot get away from, which is what Carter showed you, is the underperformance of this stock relative to the market relative to the sector and relative to its peer group here in Home Depot. So for those reasons I do like this trade that Mike is taking which is limiting his risk to just about 3.3% of the stock's value to take a bull, a bearish bet using a put debit spread. The one thing I will add is because our expectation on this particular trade is a fairly short holding period uh, you can just think about buying the outright october 190 puts without selling the 165 puts against it it'll only cost you a little bit more about a dollar and a half more to buy those october uh, 190 puts for about seven and a half dollars and that's still only risking four percent of the underlying stock's value and if you do get a significant move to the downside quickly you can take profits fairly quickly on that and you'll have a higher return on the outright puts versus a debit spread. But that's a minor uh, adjustment that you could make depending on your views of how fast you think lows will drop on earnings.
2: All right, Tony and Mike, thank you very much. All right, so let's stay kind of with the consumer retail theme, but from the other side, and that is consumer spending. With the double whammy of a consumer slowdown and business travel potentially slowing down, Tony Zhang is expressing some concern about American Express stock. Tony, what are you seeing? and what might be a trade around Amex.
5: Yeah, exactly. Right now what I'm concerned about is evaluations around American Express, which was, was justified based on the fast growth we've seen in the first half of the year. But as we start to see consumer sentiment sour, as we start to see a travel slow down here, that's some of the concerns that I see. If we look at the chart here for American Express, first half of the year extremely strong and the stock price reflects that, up 37% year to date. And if you look at the chart, it's a strong steady uptrend, but today we just saw a break of that trend line and I think that's a potential signal for some weakness to come going forward into the second half. Uh but more importantly, uh you know, as to a sign as to what's to, to see next, here is a relative performance of American Express to its sector, the financials. We have recently seen the give back all of its outperformance and some more that we've seen here since June. And if we look at the business itself, it's currently trading at about 18 times next year's earnings. That's about a 33% premium to its five-year average. And even if you apply the highest multiple we've seen since pr- uh, prior to COVID at 16 times, That's still going to imply a stock price of about $150 and that's where I think American Express is headed going into the second half of this year. So the trade structure that I'm going to use is very similar to Mike's, uh, one for Lowe's, but I'm going to use an in-the-money debit spread here. I'm going out to October and I'm buying the 170, 155 put spread here, spending about $9 for the October 170s and then collecting about $2.94 or just under $3 for those October 155s. Net-net here I'm paying about $6 for this debit spread, but this is a debit spread that's about roughly $4 in the money already. So the stock only has to move about 1% lower before this strategy is profitable. I'm doing that because I don't have a catalyst event on the horizon the same way he does for lows. So I'm expecting more of a slower move here to the downside and an in-the-money debit spread, in my opinion, is a better way to play that.
2: Hmm, only a one percent move there, so you don't need a lot of action. You're not going to make a four, you're not going to retire on that trade, Mike. But you also don't need a big move as well. Do you like the trade? Would you tweak it in any way?
4: Yeah. So I, I think one of the things, and, and Tony has done this, I, I think fairly well in, in a number of instances. You know, we tend to think about trading options that are out of the money oftentimes when we're placing directional bets around catalysts. Of course, when you're trading a money that's at the money, that's going to have the most extrinsic premium. That's how much decay the option can give away between the day that you trade it and the day that it expires. And when you use in the money options or far out of the money options, the extrinsic premium is going to tend to be a little bit less. He's using one of each in this case. The the out-of-the-money option in this case is helping to offset some of the decay that you will experience. And in total between now and October, that's just $2, which is a relatively small percentage of the stock price. Uh, You know, this is basically one of those situations where you're going to also improve your probability of profit. Why is that? It's because the break-even, where this trade will begin to make money if American Express begins to decline, will be closer to its current share price than if you choose out-of-the-money options to, to do your trades. So I think it's appropriate when you consider that he is not identifying a specific catalyst that is likely to move the stock very sharply when you consider the fact that the stock, although it is trading at a relatively high value relative to its history, isn't overly expensive relative to the rest of the market, that this is a way that you can commit a small percentage of the current stock price to make a bearish bet and certainly risk far, far less than you would if you considered shorting the stock instead, which, of course, carries unlimited risk.
2: All right, Mike and Tony, thank you very much. A look at Amex there. All right, for everything options action, you know, check out the website while you're there. Sign up for the newsletter while you're poking around. In the meantime... Here's what's coming up next.
1: Coming up, Professor coast twist on game theory. There's been a big move on the institutional-only chessboard, but there's a way to simulate it even if you're stuck playing checkers. The whole team will tackle that one, and checkers is more fun anyway. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns.
2: Welcome back to Options Action. Hope you're having a great Friday, wherever you may be. Well, there is some unusual activity on the institutional side of the options playing field, but Mike Co can coach on how long to play the long side. Mike, what, what are you seeing happening now?
4: So, uh, and I don't think I'm the only one that was seeing it, and obviously there's a lot of institutional activity in the product we're going to be talking about. And the product we're going to be talking about is euro dollar futures and first i think for viewers who are not familiar what are euro dollars we're not talking about the euro currency dollar cross what we're actually referring to are dollar deposits held in banks overseas euro dollar futures are used as a mechanism for market participants institutional market participants generally to speculate on what the short-term rates on those deposits are likely to be And over the course of this week and a little bit of last week, we've seen a lot of interesting flows going on there right now. And it's important to understand that when the euro dollar futures go up, kind of like a bond price, that's usually a bet that the interest rates are going to fall for the relevant period. What was the activity that we were seeing? So there's going to be two expirations we're talking about here. The March 2022 99.5 call strike on the March 2025. euro dollar futures a lot to unpack there but really what's going on is somebody is going out and buying upside in that march twenty twenty five future but of course because the options they are using expire in march of next year they're expecting this move to happen sometime between now and then and essentially what we can read into this is that while throughout much of this year there's been a lot of gnashing of teeth and speculation that the economy could potentially overheat as a result of a large fiscal uh, stimulus package in addition to easy monetary policy betting on these euro dollar futures is actually speculating that rates could be lower for longer and that could be a potential tail hedge in any event it would be a bet that rates would not be rising And that obviously is expressing some concern.
2: All right, some concern there. Carter, do you have any concerns, any supporting evidence that you are seeing about this in the charts?
3: Well, what I have, actually, is the same chart we just looked at. And let's look at it again. We know that um, in many instances, key levels uh, can be identified. And what we're looking at here is the 10-year Treasury note futures. Uh, And we're looking at, therefore, the yield of that instrument. And what we know, and there's sort of no way around this, is that uh, each and every instance where we've come to the top or bottom of the (coughs) channel, this being the channel since rates declined from 177, we've responded to it. And so uh, the thinking here is that rates are going to drift lower, and that's against consensus, which remains that rates will go higher. We are not in that camp.
2: Carter Worth. Carter, thank you. Look at that chart on rates. Truly remarkable. Most people said 2% by the end of the year. Not sure we're going to get there. It would be a heck of a move if we did. All right. So, Tony, Mike and Carter explained what is happening on the pro-only institutional level. But you've got a way to kind of simulate this for maybe the, uh, the less pro, you know, the, the, the retail options, trader or trader, whatever it want to be. How do you do it?
5: That's exactly right. So if we translate what Mike said in the Eurodollar futures to the yield charts that Carter showed you, now let's take a look at TLT, an actual product that viewers can trade, which is going to be an inverse of the 10-year yield that Carter just showed you. So if we look at a chart of TLT, recently we've seen this, uh, this ETF break out above $146. And just yesterday, it came back to retest that level as support, just like the yield chart that uh, uh, Carter showed you, the inverse of it, and it came off and bounced off of that level. And I think that bond prices are headed higher here just as yields are heading lower. And I think the important part here to remember, as what Mike said about the trade, is that it's more likely a tail hedge. It's more of like an insurance policy rather than an outright uh, bullish bet here on bonds. So the trade structure that I'm going to use is reflecting not necessarily a very strong bullish view on on bonds, but a non bearish one, if you will. So the trade structure I'm going to use here is by selling a put spread. I'm going out to October 1st, weekly options, and I'm selling the 148, 143 put vertical. Earlier today, I was able to collect about $3.05 for the 148 puts, paying about $1.19 for the 143s. Net-net here, I'm I'm collecting $1.82 for this put spread. Now, since then, TLT has moved up by about 50 cents or so. So for investors who are trading this on Monday, you might want to look at adjusting your strike prices about 50 cents higher to that 148.5 and 143.5. But here I'm collecting a little over 33% of the width and trying to collect uh, based on the implied volatilities that we're currently seeing on TLT, which are fairly elevated. Mike,
2: okay. By the way, that may be the banner of the week, Tilt a Whirl. I don't know if you saw that, TLT a Whirl, whoever back at Inglewood Cliffs, nailed it. Anyway, what's your take on the trade itself, Mike, not the banner?
4: Yeah, so what's interesting here, of course, is that uh, this is a way that you can make a bullish stance on TLT while doing two things, and I think both make a lot of sense here. One of them is that by selling this uh... spread one of the things that he's going to be able to do is essentially collect premium over time if you own bonds one of the things you like to do is clip coupons and effectively that's one of the things that this trade can do the other thing though is that rather than simply going out and buying tlt when you sell a debit put spread on an instrument your losses are capped at the distance between the two strikes which i think was five dollars in this case less the premium that you're collecting or about a dollar eighty so He's risking about $3.20 per share of the TLT ETF, which is obviously less than you would be risking if you just went out and bought TLT outright. So, you know, given the thesis that Carter was talking about, but also just taking a look at the trade structure, I think this is a, a trade that makes a lot of sense, given what we've discussed.
2: All right, Mike, thank you very much. All right, up next, we are answering some of your tweet questions. And while you wait, though, check out our podcast, Options Action, will be back. In two minutes all right welcome back time now to take some of your tweets here we go our first view has a question for tony get ready tony your mohawk industries play from july 1st is nicely profitable but with a week to go what percentage of the max profit would be a reasonable exit
5: yeah, so this is a trade that took quite a while to come back around, but we did in the last week here. The general rule of thumb here is we want to start taking profits off the table once we've made about 75 to 100% of the premium that we've paid. So, so far, this trade is up about 71%. So we're just shy of that threshold, but because we only have one week left to go, I think it's time to take some profits early next week and move on to the next trade.
2: All right, our next viewer asked this what do you think about micron for the next two to three months micron to mike
4: yeah you know it's this is a tough one right here anybody who is following micron knows that it had a very bad week so did some other chip stocks despite despite the fact that you would think that this is a company that had some tailwinds and looks like it's trading at a relatively cheap valuation i would point out that in addition to morgan stanley's downgrade of the stock that we saw this last week we also saw a lot of bearish activity both institutional and retail on this name and a couple others in the space including western digital and e w t the taiwan uh, etf whose largest constituent is taiwan semi it should be said so you know it seems on a fundamental basis that there would be some reason to like the stock here but somehow the street and retail investors don't seem to. It's probably a better question suited for Carter. But I can't get behind it unless we look at that support level, which looks a little bit lower to me.
2: OK, well, we got we got a question for Carter and something. To, actually, we, Carter, you want to comment on Micron very quickly?
3: Yeah, it's terrible.
2: There you go. Was that quick? That's it. Perfect. That does a okay. plus here on option action. I can't top that. We'll be back next Friday, 530. But don't go anywhere. It's very special. 6 p.m. hour, of Fast Money coming up right after the break with Kevin O'Leary and many, many more. We'll see you there in a couple of minutes.